I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Now, I'm sure you guys are sick of me telling you about it, but just remember that I will send you a sticker in the mail if you leave me a five-star and written review on Apple Podcasts. I can assure you they are very, very cute. Will look so cute on your water bottle. And also just remember to follow me at Kinda Cute Podcast or at Bailey Evan, B-A-I-L-E-Y-E-V-I-N. And like check out my website too at baileyevan.com. But most importantly, subscribe to this podcast. Whoop whoop. I'm kind of proud this week because we are at episode 16. And I read an article the other day that said most podcasters like realize whether or not they're going to stick with it between 7 to 15 episodes. And it was like, don't buy any like fancy equipment unless you can get to 7 to 15 episodes. And baby, we're at number 16 today. So we're in it for the long haul. As usual, I've got some updates for you. Last week, we talked about T.I. and his disgusting behavior with going uh, to with his daughter to the gyno to make sure her hymen was still intact. Deja's take on this, the daughter, is that she unfollowed her dad on Instagram. And I got this little blurb from an E! News article, and it says, while Deja hasn't publicly addressed her father's remarks, she recently liked a series of tweets calling his actions disgusting, possessive, and controlling. She also tweeted, I love y'all, and received an outpouring of support from her fans. So good on you, Deja. I'm so sorry you've had to go through that. I support you, girl. That's disgusting, especially coming from your own father. And I just hope every girl out there, and if there's any young girls listening to this, you feel empowered to go to the gyno by yourself, take care of your health care, and not have to worry about something disgusting like that happening. But I know a lot of people don't have a choice. But, uh... Last night, I went to the movies because I love going to $5 Tuesdays, AMCs. I'm sure I've talked about this because I'm an AMC ho. Uh, I go on Tuesdays where you they have the best deals. It's $5 tickets. And then for $5, you can get like a cameo. They call it the cameo deal. So it's like a small popcorn and a small drink for $5. And you know that usually like when you go to the movie theaters, you're paying like 8 bucks for that medium-sized soft drink. It's an amazing deal. I saw Last Christmas, which is the one with Henry Golding and Amelia Clark. And I was like a little skeptical going into it because I was convinced I knew what the twist was going to be. And lo and behold, I was right. I turned to Kenzie literally five minutes into the movie and I was like, this is what's going to happen. And it sure enough did. So that was sort of a letdown. It definitely wasn't my favorite movie of all time. And I've yet to read any of the scathing reviews about it. Um, it's definitely not like something I'm like, oh yeah, go out, go see it. But if you're going to get a $5 movie, like why not? But I'm sticking with my recommendation to see Parasite, which we talked about in episode 15. I think that is definitely worth going out of your way to see. As another update from last week, I was talking about how I bought a Harry Styles t-shirt and how I unsuccessfully tried to get tickets at the forum for his one night only album release party show yeah didn't get that which is a real bummer because they were only 25 tickets each so now he's announced his like world tour and I am trying to go to as many shows as I can it's times like this where like I know I'm so privileged and like I obviously have a job and I, I make money but I'm like 
for one, I'm, I have a shit ton of debt, so it's not like I really have money. But, you know, theoretically, I do. I know I have a roof over my head. But when I become just a disgusting, materialistic human being, it's like, why can't I afford to go to 10 Harry Styles shows? Like, all I want to do is just get the highest premium VIP to every show that I can and just travel around the world and be a Harry Styles groupie. And by groupie, I don't even mean, like, actually hanging out with Harry Styles. I just want to go watch the show every night. Like, that's that's enough for me. Uh, last night I was watching Survivor. Again, I might have already talked about this on this podcast. I know this is so hypocritical of me because I used to listen to podcasts and be like, how does this person not remember that they've told this story like 10 times already? And here I am constantly having no clue what I've talked about. And I've only had 15 episodes. But if I have talked about it, I apologize. We're talking about it again. And that's how much I love Survivor. I started watching Survivor the very first season it came out. And I've literally always been a, um, a reality show whore. Like every reality show that's come out, you can almost guarantee that I've watched at least one episode of it to see if I like it. And it was no different with Survivor. So I watched the first season. I fell off the Survivor boat a little bit when I went to college and law school. But uh, I recently got back into it probably like, not recently, like four years ago, four or five years ago. And I just think it's a perfect show. I was an anthropology major in college, and I really think it is one of the truest examples of sociology, anthropology, psychology. It's like some Lord of the Flies shit, and it is so entertaining, and it's such well-done TV. But the point I'm getting to is that there was a Me Too scandal last night on Survivor. And that's the sort of, sort of thing I thought was relegated to, you know, Bachelor in Paradise. I hadn't really seen something like this happening on Survivor. And to give you a short sort of recap, there was this man named Dan. And of course, as the most stereotypical job that Dan could have, he's like an agent in Hollywood. So very familiar with the Me Too movement, I'm sure. And at the beginning, I'd say episode one or two, he was coming on very strong to this woman named Kelly. She seems very intelligent. She went to Harvard Business School, very educated. And he was just touching her, giving her unwanted touching. Now, was he like sticking her hand, his hand down her pants? No, but it was uncomfortable touching and it was very clear she was uncomfortable. And she even at one point said to him that she did not want to be touched in any way by him and he continued to do it so to me that is just crossing so many boundaries and just showing no respect so fast forward i we're we're at the merge which is kind of like what happens when it's down to 12 people i think so we're we're a few few episodes in and another girl describes that he's been doing the same things and she bonds with kelly over this and then this other snaky girl basically lies and says that she's been made to feel uncomfortable by Dan to get on Kelly's side. But Kelly and Missy, the other girl, really had had problems with Dan. And they go to Janet, who's this sweet older lady, and she takes the, everyone under their wing. And she really liked Dan on a personal level. But she was like, if even a shred of this is true and he's making these girls feel this way, like he's got to go. So big ups to Janet because that's exactly what should have happened. And I think she handled it so well. And a bizarre turn of events, everyone turns against Janet. Can you believe? I mean, Dan's the one being a creepy ass man. And poor Janet, who's literally trying to be mama murdered, help these girls. They pull some psycho snaky shit 
and start going to Dan. Oh no, Dan, like we never said that about you. And mind you, this was made all the more complicated by the fact that Kelly, the most outspoken one, got voted off. So she couldn't even voice what actually happened in her experience. So you have snaky ass Liz and lying Missy, who I just think lies to get ahead in the game, which I sort of get, but not really when you're messing with this kind of stuff. Like this isn't the sort of stuff you mess with. And I just thought it was so disgusting. Like some of the guys were like so, you know, sticking up for this movement. And then there was another man who was just like, uh, well, this is like a really strong allegation and this shouldn't be thrown out there. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, this is exactly the problem. And this is why people don't come forward with this in the real world. And it was interesting because it was one of the first times I've ever seen Jeff Probst, who's the host, one of the you know producers on the show, get kind of heated when basically the person who was accused was trying to brush it under the rug and Jeff Probst was like Probst was like no we're gonna keep talking about this until it's all out there in the open so big ups to Janet big ups to Jeff everyone else is garbage and trash this season has been like the most unlikable group of people on Survivor but I'm telling you if you want to see some real psychological studies it might be time to start watching Survivor so I think I've discovered or discovered I think I've discussed most of the kind of dark stuff at, in this recap talking about TI again talking about that survivor thing the rest of this is gonna be super fluffy just how I like it I didn't even feel like talking about a vegan who ate fish and then her followers found out via social media and there's been a year since that happened and that was even too dark for me so let's get into our first article shall we and this is one of my favorite series that The Cut does. It's where they interview a celebrity about their favorites since we've done a few of these. It's usually when a celeb's, you know, hyping up a, a perfume they have coming up. And this week we have the icon herself, Cher. It says, Cher shares some thoughts on perfume by Erica Smith. So I have to start off by saying that Cher has my favorite quote of all time and it's when she said my mom said to me you know sweetheart one day you should settle down and marry a rich man and I said mom I am a rich man and that is exactly the sort of vibes I'm trying to take into 2020 I don't know about you all so I wanted to share a few of her answers because they are things of beauty and the best answers that I've read on this series yet so when she's asked to describe what Sunday mornings and Monday mornings smell like, she says the same. They don't smell any different. I have work days, I have day off days, and they both smell different, and they can fall on a Sunday or a Monday or not. <laughs> she's like, they're not smells. I know where you're guiding me with these, but I can't lie and just say some bullshit answer. I mean, I can't go where you want me to go. I'm not that kind of girl. Does Cher have a publicist? Is her publicist rolling in her grave right now having to, like, (laughs) I'm sure the publicist is like, listen, Cher, you just got to go give this article to sweet Erica Smith and you're going to give good publicity to the perfume and Cher's just like, fuck, fuck this bullshit. (laughs) I'm not answering what Mondays and Sundays smell like. Then she goes on to say what her home smells like. Oh my God, it smells beautiful. It smells like perfection. It smells dreamy. It smells like candles and just heaven. Now... Just another celeb talking about candles and damn it, not telling me what candle they're using. It's really such a little blue ball moment for me. So the cut, Erica, can you please, when they talk about the candles, I know they probably don't want to promote another brand while they're promoting their own perfume, but can can you just get that answer and then maybe put it in another article later? Because I'd really appreciate that. Um, And then she says... 
she's asked about what one smell she could have on her hands forever. What like what would it be? And she says, oh gosh, that's so limiting. I'm sure the perfume company would want me to say my perfume, but I'm not sure that I'd want to have any one smell. I don't want to do that. So no, I'm not doing it. I'm not having one smell forever. <laughs> like Cher is just not having this game. She's not. And then maybe my my most favorite answer is the one about how she smells and it just says I smell heavenly and you know what maybe it's just share herself making herself sound so smell so good you know just her presence just that rich man you know smell really permeates next up another beautiful parable from Noah Centineo by Hannah Gold now y'all know by now that I love any excuse to talk about Noah And this is going to be a segue into me talking about what I really wanted to talk about, a recent tweet he made. Um, And Noah Centineo is of All the Boys You Loved Before fame. He's done quite a few Netflix things now. Or not even, I think he's done one other Netflix, no, two other Netflix movies. And then some of his old really crappy ones are also on Netflix. So give those a peruse if you're interested. Um, Hannah writes, like a throw pillow with an inspirational quote on it, actor Noah Centineo is cuddly, easy to read, and makes us all feel better about ourselves. And I think what she's insinuating there is that he makes us feel better because he comes across as so damn stupid. Like, just so stupid, but so cute. I mean, honestly, the pillow of my dreams. So while accepting his award at the People's Choice Awards, Noah said the following... Before I go, I just want to say, it matters not what you've done, but what you do with what you've done for others. (laughs) And so the cut was just like, I don't get this. I don't get what this tweet or what this sentence means. But what the cut failed to discuss is this little ditty of a tweet from Noah, which I think is the real star of the kind of WTF things he's said as of late. So now listen close because I really want you guys' feedback on this. This is what he says. There are so many variables that go into it, but if you felt like they aren't fulfilling their role as your lover or partner, and these feelings have been recurring for months, then it probably isn't the birth control that's making you feel this way. Choose you. Heart emoji. Can someone please explain this to me? I sent a screenshot of this to Elena and she responded like, haha, like, and then two hours later, she emailed again in response to that and said, I'm so confused. I can't stop reading this. And that's exactly how I feel about this. I guess my thoughts are was that he was giving kind of like a subtle subtweet to a friend of his like maybe a girlfriend who had come to him for you know platonic advice because as we discussed he's dating Alexis Wren so I think maybe she was like well maybe it's just like or maybe the guy said this I don't the guy or the girl said like I'm acting this way because like the birth control like I'm having trouble blah 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 I like maybe it was like a sexual thing I don't know but I think he was just like this was his way of answering that friend in a subtweet way like Honey, it's not the birth control. Dump that dude or dude, dump that girl. It's not the birth control. It's you. Okay. <laughs> Next up in equally shallow articles. Hot guys and newsboy caps. A tragic love story by Amelia Petrarca. Now, any podcast where I can talk about Harry Styles and Noah Centineo multiple times is obviously like going to be my type of podcast. So this one is about the infamous newsboy caps that for some reason I would say in the past year or two have really come back in style and I applaud anyone that can 
pulled this off. Even girls wear it too, but I I don't understand. And so this says, there comes a time in every man's life when he looks at himself in the mirror and thinks, I need a wool pancake on my head. I don't know if it's hormones or some sort of existential crisis that spurs this choice, but I do know that every man I've ever loved, every hot celebrity I've ever swooned over has at some point worn a newsboy cap and subsequently ruined my life. This week, that man was Harry Styles. While attending a show of Jeremy O'Harris' slave play on Broadway, the British pop star and objectively beautiful human wore a floppy blue denim hat to match his enormous wide leg jeans, which he bundled underneath a Gucci coat. Now, I first have to start off by saying I really think Harry Styles is a style icon. I love the risks he takes. He kind of likes an androgynous look, which hints at the fact that maybe he isn't fully straight. And I like I like that. I like the, you know, he keeps you on your toes, keeps you guessing, and it's no one's business. And I just like that he plays with fashion and makes fashion fun and leans into the campiness of fashion and kind of his everyday life. And he always does look good. As she notes, he is an objectively beautiful person, almost in a way that's kind of hard to look at because he's not that really obvious good looking in the way that a Brad Pitt is, but he's just so alarmingly beautiful that you can't look away. And I almost feel like you have to be on that level of beauty to even halfway pull off a newsboy cap. And I have to say, it really does take him down a few notches. Like, not even the angel that is Harry Styles can fully pull off a newsboy cap. Like, again, I appreciate it. I don't think he's necessarily trying to look hot 24-7. He's having fun. Good on him. But maybe this is a trend that needs to die. <clears throat> All right, next article. The couple that fakes their own paparazzi photos by Charlotte Cowles. So y'all know I love directing you towards a weird Instagram. I kind of feel like the articles we're discussing this week are like a greatest hits of things I enjoy reading, things I love to talk about. And as you'll remember, we talked about that girl with a six-inch tongue in one of the earlier episodes. So obviously, I had to talk about this article and this Instagram account at Zoom That Shit. And there's no T on the end of the. So Zoom That Shit. Uh, And this is what Cows writes. The account was only three months old and had a one-word bio, Samsara, spelled out in a cool gothic script. It featured candid-style photos of an attractive couple wearing impeccably coordinated outfits and eating fast foods that they matched their clothing. And so they had twenty over 26,000 followers, but they couldn't figure out who they were. And I looked at this Instagram, and at this point in time, there's only 19 posts. But this is peak absurdist art. I think my personal fave is the one of them wearing a full orange outfit, full matching the couple. They're both in orange. And it's captioned, Mas Doritos. Now, the real kicker here is that they're holding an armful of junk food, like Lay's and other sorts of junk food. But notably, Doritos are absent. So, good on the cut. They they went in. They did an investigation. And it turns out that these are two Italian fashion students who met at the Sapienza University of Rome. And they said that their concept was to show the three top things that people like to show on social media. Love, fashion, and food. And I have to say, it's honestly genius. Now they just need to make it completely shoppable. And then they'll really be showing me all that I love on social media. That and like dogs. But that falls under love, I guess. So Zoom That Shit was inspired by the common urge to zoom in on photos of celebrities and search by flaws. Like cellulite, she said, gleefully miming a pincer-like 
zooming motion with her thumb and forefinger. And again, I think this article just makes me happy that I live in this day and age and that I was born in a time where I get to witness this sort of absurdity. It really is the highest form of art, if you ask me. Y'all, I think we're on our last article of the day, but I saved a meaty, hefty boy for last. And this is a Vulture article. But, you know, Vulture, the cut, they're associated, so we're going for it. This was just too good for me to pass up. So it's called Hot Cocoa, Glen Cocoa, and absolutely no Lori Laughlin roaming the floors of Hallmark's first ever Christmas con. Now, I'd like to confess that I don't think I've ever watched a Hallmark Christmas movie, which to anyone who knows me or even just listens to this podcast is probably shocking because I love anything cheesy. I love a rom-com, chitlet, bring it on, the cornier the better. But something about Hallmark movies concerns me. And maybe it's a fear of truly getting sucked in or starting to actually like Candace Cameron Bure, which would maybe be the darkest turn of events to come out of this. So Madison in this article talks about her experience attending what I can basically sum up as the Comic Con of Hallmark called Christmas Con. And interestingly, it was started by four women who were friends and huge fans of Hallmark movies. And they wanted to start this convention. It was sort of just like a fan love project. But once they were able to book Lacey Chabert, they realized that things were looking up. And basically, if they could do that, they could get kind of whoever they wanted. So she kind of walks through what happens. And she's talking about, you know, there's people in ugly sweaters. There's ugly sweater competitions. There's... Um, people just queuing up everywhere waiting to take selfies with celebrities and i thought this was fascinating is that taking a selfie with a celebrity was not included in the entry fee prices vary by actor but a selfie and an autograph will set you back around 60 dollars. if you want a professional photo that'll be another 50 and an additional 10 if you want a digital copy and sales at the event are cash only. And this was one of my favorite lines. She says, I find myself repeatedly thinking about the first syllable in the word convention. I eat con, guys. <laughs> that one took me a second. And again, we love a con. Can we go one episode without talking about a con or a scam? They're fantastic. So a lady named Deborah McIver tweeted, at Christmas Con 2019. What a horrible experience. No organization. Waiting in one line after another. A total mess. Shame on that's for entertainment.com. And that's like the ladies who started it. It's called that's for entertainment.com with the numeral four. So <laughs> what maybe the creepiest line of this article that's already sort of creepy to begin with. She writes, not everyone's unhappy though. As with most fan-centered events, the joy derived depends on what value a given attendee ascribes to meeting a Hallmark star. For Wade, a 20-something and a custom, I'm only here for Lacey T. The price point to take a picture with his crush was more than worth it. And guys, not that I can talk. I I'm literally talking about how thirsty I am to go to all of Harry Styles' show, but there's something about a 20-something man having a custom, I'm only here for Lacey shirt that makes my skin crawl. And I think, again, super hypocritical because I think everyone should follow their passions do what they love express those passions be yourself but guys I, I don't know it's just not setting well with me and then there was another man wearing a homemade shirt that says Christmas Con 2019 because my wife made me and then it on the back says hashtag happy wife 
happy life. Ay, 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 caramba. <sighs> All right. So as you guys know, and it was hinted at in the title, we talked about Lori Laughlin before, you know, Operation Varsity Blues, her whole scamming to get her YouTuber daughters into USC. And now she is facing jail time. Felicity Huffman just got out. I think that Lori's going to get a bigger slap on the hand, but TBD, I guess. But when all this happened, Hallmark kind of immediately removed her from Hallmark. And she was basically the queen. Like, there was Lacey, Candace, and Lori. And Lori was, you know, everything she did on the channel was successful. So Paul Green, who's one of her former castmates, told Hannah, I don't look at it like a post-Lori economy. Those are words that don't even relate to me at all. Because <laughs> she asked what it was like in this post-Lori Laughlin economy. And she makes it clear that these are his words, not his, because Green wanted her to make that clear. Um, <laughs> so it's just interesting to see how the other stars related or reacted to this Jonathan Bennett who was Aaron Samuels from Mean Girls and now is sort of a staple on the Hallmark channel um he said it's a hard thing for everyone involved including everyone at Hallmark there are no winners in this situation so I don't know I I kind of feel like I could see Lori having this really triumphant comeback in a couple years and then like regaining her status and probably having a Hallmark movie about her life, even though I'm Lifetime's definitely already done that. But, you know, Hallmark will do the happier version of it, the less scandy version. I had to, like, also tell you some of my favorite parts about this that made me feel like I kind of wanted to be at this convention. So it says, ho, ho, ho. A mystery voice booms over the speakers towards the end of the hour. And it's Daniel Francese, the actor who played Damien in Mean Girls, making a surprise appearance. He's handing out candy cane grams, and naturally there are none for Gretchen Wieners. The crowd screams. And I just have to say, okay, that's lit. Like, sign me up for that experience. I like pop culture partially for the reason that I like to be a part of iconic pop culture moments. And that, again, is lit. And at the end of the panel, Bennett, again, Aaron Samuels from Mean Girls, urges everyone to take out their cell phones. Jingle Bell Rock starts playing, and he performs the risque talent show version a la Lindsay Lohan. I mean, also pretty lit. <laughs> and, and just to wrap this up, someone in the comments who calls themselves Punkin says, I was there. This article is on point. Yes, I voted for Trump. And yes, this convention was too much for too little. Hallmark, take the reins next year. And y'all, I think that sort of sums up the whole thing. That just wraps it up in a nice little bow. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Okay, ending today off with our legit shit. Guys, I know I talked about like a smallish local business last week, but I wanted to give another one a shout out, and that is Greenwich Letterpress in New York City. But they also have a website, GreenwichLetterpress.com, so you can buy their adorable cards. They make the best designs. It's literally like my dream in life to have them make me custom-made stationery. It's just a little bit out of my price point at this point in time, but that really is a dream. And I love all their cards. Their designs are amazing. They're a sister-owned company, which I love. If you're ever in the area in Greenwich Village, please stop by. It's this little tiny store, but it brings me joy every time I go in there. I never leave empty-handed. Get yourself some holiday cards online. If you're feeling like you really want to bouge out, get yourself some custom-made stationery or some for someone you love. And boom, baby, just give it a visit. 
and I will see y'all next week. Bye. Y'all, I was so excited about this additional little segment. I'm recording right now that this is my second time recording it because the first time I just got on the mic without even turning it on because Taylor Swift just released a huge like written message on her Facebook is where I'm reading it literally as this came out I was like I have to get back on and talk about this and she's talking about how she's supposed to be performing at the AMA awards and accepting artists of the decade and obviously wanted to perform a medley of her older hits through the show but Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun told her they could not because they claim that that would constitute her re-recording her own music, which she's legally not allowed to do until next year. Now, Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun. Scott Borchetta was the guy who owed Big Machine Records. It was Taylor Swift's old record label. Uh, she famously earlier this year spoke out about the fact that Scooter Braun bought her her back book of music, which is all she wanted, really. Like, she probably would have purchased her own music if she had had the chance. But Scott Borchetta, allegedly, according to her, put so many limitations on it that she just felt like it was better to leave her recordings there, make it so she could re-record them in the future, and let Scooter Braun buy it. Uh, so they told her that she cannot record her or perform her own music until unless she agrees to not re-record copycat versions of her songs next year, which she's legally allowed to do and she says she's looking forward to. And they also told her team that they have to stop talking about Borchetta and Braun, which to me, again, just classic trying to silence women who are trying to do their thing and it's messed up. And I told y'all I took a shot with Scooter Braun and he was like a little nasty man. So again, on this, I have a love-hate with Taylor, but I'm so on her side on this. And she even says the message is clear. Basically, be a good little girl and shut up or you'll be punished. And I so agree that that's what they're doing. So I applaud her for putting this message out there. I don't know if in the end it's going to do her actually any good legally. But I do think it shows that she has a backbone. She's not going to step down. And I love that she calls out that she's asking for help from the Carlisle group, which is Sorry, I'm so heated about this. I can't even talk straight. That was the group that put up money for the sale of her music, basically like funding it, uh, financing it so that Scooter was able to buy it. And I love that she calls them out on this because she also called them out on this in her Rolling Stone article. And I wish I had the quote pulled up. But basically, she's like, they couldn't even afford to buy it outright. Like they had to use other people's money. And it's just disgusting. And I just love that she's like, again, just kind of like a knife in the chest with that and just being like, honey, you know, I could buy my own music because obviously she has enough. She's cash rich enough. She could have bought this outright, her own music, but it was because of all the contingencies they were putting on it that she chose not to. So basically, she's just talking about how her performances and a Netflix documentary that she announced in this that's been filming for the past few years is up in the air because they're putting so many limitations on her back work of songs. So again, Team Taylor Swift, just wanted to throw that in the end. Sorry, I can't talk. I'm so heated. My dog's barking, but I will see you next week.